Welcome back to the Essential Blue Podcast. My name is Tommy and I'm your host. Today I'm joined by an amazing bunch as we reflect on the heartbreak that happened in the Champions League last night. As Chelsea crash out of the competition in an infuriating manner, like I'm so infuriated. Also, we try to rest and look forward to the FA Cup final coming up against Crystal Palace. So to reflect on the game, I'm joined by Aiden, I'm joined by Ubi, and I'm joined by David. But yeah, we're all Chelsea fans and we're all hurting. So yeah, hey guys, what was your reaction to the game? Let's start with Aiden. Yeah, hi guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I I um I second your thoughts, Tommy, in regards to being <laughs> heartbroken. Um, yeah. I think there's so much to unpack about the game. I think I don't know about you guys, but I literally went through every single emotion possible during the uh, 120 minutes. But I think um, off the back of um, the game, especially this morning, yeah. I can I can only really say that I'm. Uh, amazingly proud of the team and uh, proud to be a Chelsea fan to be honest with you um, sure, sure. I yes. think being the being the current holders of the the trophy if there yeah. was a way to go out of the competition it was certainly um, putting up a, a great fight against Real Madrid in the Bernabeu um, but yeah to, to kind of give you a summary of my thoughts proud um, heartbroken and uh, yeah on to the next one like you said Tommy on to the semi-final of the yeah. FA Cup at Wembley so we just got to keep yeah. it moving true true alright um, before I come to David let me come to Ubi Ubi what was your reaction to the game well obviously I'm also heartbroken we, we we got knocked out of the UCL even though we were the better team we honestly deserved to go through the semi-finals but obviously, I'm very proud. As I said on my Twitter last night, I'm really proud of the boys. We put in masterclass. We we came. Uh, we scored. Sorry, three goals within. I think it was 60 minutes at the Bernabeu. It was a pretty much full um, stadium, the Real Madrid stadium. That's why I'm really proud of the boys. We couldn't do anything more. Honestly, we put we we put in the efforts. We were pretty much clinical, apart from a few occasions. I guess we're going to talk about later, but. <laughs> Overall, I'm yeah. really happy of our display. That's all I can say, honestly. Yeah. All right, David, let me come to you. But before you answer that, I'm going to ask you, after you say your answer, I'd like you to tell me your man of the match and moment of the match. So, yeah, what was your reaction to the Madrid game, David? Yeah, I'm obviously heartbroken as well, um, as uh, any <laughs> Chelsea fan is. Uh, <laughs> but I'm also yeah. proud. I'm very proud to be a Chelsea fan. I can't imagine how it is not being Chelsea at the moment mm, mm. or any moment. It's never yeah. a dull day. It's never a dull match. We always have something to fight for and it's, it's, it's on to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. So who was the man of the match for you and moment, what moment stood out for you? It's so many. It's like, I think <laughs> Timo, I would say Timo Werner because mm. he, he was running and he was fighting every mm. single Second, he mm. wanted it so bad, and you can see it in his in his uh, expression when he scored. True, true. Yes, Timo, definitely Timo. Yeah, quite similar. All right, Ubi, how about yours? Your man of the match, a moment of the match. Well, moment of the match for me 
would be Marcus Alonso's legitimate, in my opinion, yeah. goal <laughs> against Real Madrid. Um, yeah. And I'm saying legitimate because although the ball had a touch on his hand, but um, his his arms and hands were in natural position, plus it was not intentional. And I think it barely even touched his, his hand or arm, whatever it touched. That's why it is legitimate. And if not for VAR, it would have been a goal. And I'm sure if that was a goal, we would have been four... Um, well, 4-0 up, because although we were just 2-0 up back then, but Timo would have scored that goal anyways, I think. Like, he was on fire last night. Man of the match to me has to be Rudiger. Although he was at fault, direct fault, for uh, Madrid's last goal, because he slipped. Mm -hmm. I mean, he slipped. He lost his balance, that's all. Yeah. I know, like, some people argue, Kante lost position in in the middle of the park, Mendy Mm -hmm. didn't really dive well, whatever, but the direct fault, in my opinion, is Rudiger, because he was the one to mark Benzema's header. I'm talking about the last goal, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, apart from that slip, he was amazing. He scored the goal. He was sweeping mistakes in the defensive line. He was really stable. He was really aggressive in a good way. He was like defending yeah. and fighting for the badge. So man of the match has to go for Rudiger. All right, Aiden. Before I comment, before I speak to you, I'm just gonna say that I, I just want to say my man of the match and more of the match briefly. <laughs> so yeah, for me, I'm just gonna keep it brief. I mean, uh, man of the match, Rudiger, hands down. Moment of the match is kind of difficult. I mean, Werner. It was been it was really good. To, no, yeah, Werner. I mean, Werner's goal was really good. Like in terms of how important it was as well. But yeah, Aiden, what do you think? <laughs> what was the man of the match and moment of the match for you? Yes. Um. So I think I've got two moments of the match. If you don't mind, I won't. I won't yeah, uh, waffle yeah, on too on, much yeah. about yeah, the um yeah. about them. But my man yeah. of the match um is Mason Mount. Um, I think yeah, yeah. his energy, his um enthusiasm. And his pressing was just absolutely sublime. I think he led the team well last night. And I think he really, um, he forced the press and he squeezed and we strangled Real Madrid from the very first minute until the very Mm -hmm. last, in my opinion. Um, So for me, uh, man of the match is Mason Mount. My two moments of the match, um, I have to say, um, (laughs) my my first moment, which is the good moment, is the Mason Mount goal. Um, Yeah, I was going to mention that actually. (laughs) <laughs> it took me yeah. a few moments to actually register that it had gone in and um, I was sat with my friend and we were talking before the game and said, look, if we can get a goal in the first 20 minutes, it's game on. And we've done exactly mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. I could not believe my eyes when the ball fell to Mason Mount and he slotted it past Thibaut Courtois. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was absolutely astounded. Um, and it really, it was the perfect start because it got our tails up. It, it gave us uh, motivation to keep pressing and it just kept the energy going straight away. Um, my slightly less positive moment of the match was when we went 3-0 mm-hmm. up and Thibaut Courtois pulls off a fantastic save from a Kai Havertz header. I yeah. think that was the real um, switching point yeah. For Madrid, I think the fans got behind them after that point, and I think if that goes in, it's game over. Thibaut Courtois pulls off a fantastic save, and they're back in the game. Um, so yeah, they're my two moments of the match. But yeah, Mason Mount, man of the match, and moment of the match for me. Yeah, I agree. Actually, special moment. Um, Ubi. Good ones, good ones. Honestly, just to reflect yeah. on what Aiden said of the yeah. Mount goal and stuff. Indeed, like I agree, it's an honorable mention. Of course, I said Rudiger's man of the match, but honorable mention to Mason Mount. Thanks mm-hmm. to him, it was game on. It's what I said in episode ten. Which... Yeah, I was gonna just say that now, actually. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Spot on, man. <laughs> yeah. 
like as I said in episode ten, which by the way, for our listeners, if you didn't listen to it, go ahead and give it a listen. It was a good episode. But um, nice plug in. Yeah, <laughs> but um, <laughs> as I said uh, in episode ten, that uh, if we put on like a goal in the first fifteen twenty minutes, it's game on. And I really be- believe that. I think Temi it was, and even Judah, our uh, mm-hmm. guests from episode ten. Yeah. We're really not optimistic, but hey, I really believed in in our uh, team. And although we're knocked out, but as I said in the introduction, like I'm still proud. Like we we technically won. It's a bittersweet victory. But again, back to Mason Mount. It's horrible. I I swift away. Yeah, exactly. I swift away from my point that he's, I think, the third Englishman after Alan Smith in 2001. And I think uh, Danny Welbeck in 2013 to put a goal past Madrid. So, and also Chelsea is the second team after Man United to put three goals away, three away goals uh, against like a Spanish opposition. So, mm-hmm. and by the way, the Man United one was like in, I think it was in, um, it was in 68. So way back, like we're talking 50 plus years ago. So like I'm still proud of the boys and Mount as an Englishman. I'm I'm happy mm. for him. I'm happy for the Engl- uh, England fans. So yeah, it's just a, <laughs> a note to add to what Aiden said about Mount. Yeah. Um, let me come to David. David, um, what do you think about people who say when we're three goals up, Tuchel should have packed the box or like you know done something more reassuring? Like I don't know, take off Kante and then show up the midfield and bring on Aspie to, you know, because Ruben, for me, Ruben wasn't, he was good, but he wasn't perfect. You get like, what do, what do, you, what do you say to people who say that? It's a good point then. Uh, he should have maybe taken Loftus down or up mm-hmm. and then um, <laughs> played with the back four uh, and tried to switch it up. But um, I think he wanted the extra goal. I think he wanted to win the match and not be like we wanted the the fourth goal and that's yeah. why he didn't do it i think and i think that's uh, justified i think that's a good thing because we were really fighting at that moment if of we were ju- if we then um switch our energy into defending at that moment uh, that could be really crucial as well because uh, there was still a lot of time left so i think it was a good thing um yeah but you know you can always look back and say he should have done this and should have done that, but in the moment, I think it was the right thing to do. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I think just to jump in there, I think it's very cliche, but the best form of defense is attack, right? And I think yeah. yes. um, if we're going to score two goals and then sit off Real Madrid, I don't really see the point in that because they've got so much quality in the midfield. They've got so much quality up front with Benzema and Vinicius Jr. I think yeah. we controlled the game for 90% of the game. And that's exactly how Thomas Tuchel wanted to play the game. As exactly. you guys saw, um, yeah. the Real Madrid team were sat back in their own half and we were dominating the ball in their own half. That's exactly what we wanted to do at the Bernabeu. And that's exactly what we've done. I think if we were to go and sit back at 2-0, we're literally inviting possibly two of the best attackers in the world right now to come and attack our defence. And that just doesn't yes. make any sense, in my opinion. Exactly. I mean... Here's the thing, right? Like, we're three goals up, right? And then we're playing in a hostile environment. I mean, the least you could do is, like, just... I get what you're saying. I, I mean, like, play on the counter or something. Like, the least you could do is do that. But I get 
attack attack is the best form of defense but i mean considering the effort and everything i think it would have been the best possible thing to do i mean obviously you can say whatever you want in hindsight but mm. yeah but ubi what do you think ubi what do you think what's your opinion I mean, I do agree that attack is best form defense, but again, it doesn't work against Madrid, in my opinion, although it could have mm. worked against smaller teams. But the thing about Madrid is that they have older players in Madrid's crews, obviously Benzema, but also they have energetic young players in Rodrigo, the person who actually scored the goal, and obviously Vinicius Jr., who's like who's got blistering pace and he's really got the flair, skillful and everything. He's a nightmare to any defense, honestly, not just to Chelsea. But mm. the thing about them is that since they have this, especially Modric and, and um, what do you call Cruz, they're the heart of the defense. It's kind of easy for them to get past our uh, pressure. And I noticed mm. on numerous occasions that when we were uh, pressing, him, pressing Madrid high up the pitch, um, Madrid didn't have any trouble. Maybe like they slipped off once, perhaps twice. In, in, we're talking in 90 plus minutes. That's nothing. Because they have in Modric, who has amazing passing abilities. He's got really good vision. He reminds me of Cesc Fabregas when he was at Chelsea, actually. Honestly, like thanks to these guys, the pressure wouldn't work. That's why I think when we were 3-0 up, we should have sat deep. Just put, put us five in defense. No, I'm not talking yeah. three in defense, but like five actual. In, instead of right wing back, I'm talking about right back, not right wing back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That could have been better. Who knows? Technically, we were already like five at the back. But I get what you mean, yeah. I mean, this James could have played in midfield or right wing back, right? And bring in um, Chalaba and bring in Jorginho. Because mm. I don't feel like Jorginho would have made that mistake Kante made. But I don't know. Um, who do you guys want to... Obviously, you could praise and criticize. You could take any angle you want. But who do you guys want to criticize or praise? I mean... I was going to ask you guys a question. I, t- I tweeted sure, something yeah, sure. um, during the match. Um, yeah. I thought a good tactical change would have been um, Calibre or Christensen for Ruben Loftus-Cheek and then put Reese James at right wing back and then play yeah. that system like that because I think, um, I know Temi mentioned Ruben Loftus-Cheek didn't have the greatest game, but I think he was asked to do a role that he's not used to and I think based on that, he did actually yeah. do quite a good job at retaining yeah, the did. ball, playing it yeah. simple because I think the one thing that I don't like about Ruben Loftus-Cheek is sometimes he tries to do a little bit too much. He'll run into the player, <laughs> he'll lose the ball. But I think he mm-hmm. kind of suppressed that a little bit yesterday and, and played it quite simple, which I quite liked. But I just think, what would your, I think the question is, what would your kind of tactical change be when we're 3-0 up around the kind of 70th, 80th minute? What would you have done differently, do you think? Um, it's an interesting approach, but I think Chaloba, although I rate him highly, he's got really good physicality, but again, it's not enough against Vinicius, because technically the only reason why Reese James was at right centre-back is to basically deal with Vinicius, and he really did a, an alright job like within the first 90 minutes of the match, even though he was booked, by the way, in the first 10-15 minutes. Keep that in mind, because when a defender is booked, he doesn't have the same aggression anymore, because obviously when you get the second yellow card, you're out, and then you're a liability to the team. Yeah. So yeah, that's what. That's just a comment about what you said, uh, Aiden. Yeah, and I agree. Yeah, David. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to disagree, because I think like Chalaba can definitely match up in terms of pace to Vinicius, but... Oh man, come on. You know... <laughs> I mean, yeah, but Vinicius yeah. is a really technical player, and uh, let's be honest, that Chaloba is a little bit clumsy sometimes. And in a big yeah. game like this, 
Let me give you an yeah. example. Remember Luis Diaz against Chalaba? Remember Chalaba grew into the match. Same way Ruben grew into the match yesterday. Chalaba grew into that match. And Luis Diaz and Vinicius are quite similar in terms of style of play. So, mm-hmm. I mean, come on, guys. Don't you think so? I mean, it is what it is. Like, we could, whatever it is we say, we, it's not like we can go back and be like, okay, let's replay the Champions League. Let's replay the game or whatever. It's gone. So, <laughs> Funnily enough, Tommy, you, you said in one of your previous episodes, maybe our guests didn't know, but since I'm a regular, I still remember your words, man, when you were slaughtering um, Chaloba for his awful displays <laughs> against Luis Diaz in the, yeah. um, I think it was Carabao Cup final. Yeah, so, like, I mean, <laughs> true, though, but like, I mean, we didn't concede, see, so technically, yeah. I mean, I know, I know, what you, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, but like he wouldn't, he wouldn't yeah. be good. I don't think so. Like with all due respect, man, but I don't think yeah, yeah. Chalaba could handle someone like Vinicius. He's really, he's really fast. Like just the way he runs, man, just makes my eyes bleed. Like he's just really <laughs> fast. For me, it was Benzema watching watching the match yesterday. Benzema just had every single time he got the ball, I was frightened. So you know, yeah, it was it was he is the main threat. But yeah, um, David, do you want to criticize Pulisic? Or it's, it's, it feels like I'm playing devil's advocate right now. Okay, yeah. me if I'm wrong. Somewhat. <laughs> do you wanna, who, do, who do you guys think this tie, for me it's Mendy, but who do you guys think this tie, who killed this tie rather? I mean, I could give, let me just give you a few names so you could, you know, I have yeah. on my list, I have Kante, I have Pulisic, I have Lukaku, I have Mendy and I have Tuku. But I think it's unfair to really like, you know, Lukaku has nothing to do with this. <laughs> okay, but yeah, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, when the police came on, he looked very stiff and uh, didn't really create much. He didn't make any threatening runs. He was a little bit invisible uh, yeah. for the remainder of the match. Uh, I really hope to see more of him because he can really be a big, uh, big match player. But he, was, he wasn't yesterday. Um, that was a disappointing uh, display, but yeah, we move. Yeah, we move. So for you, is he the or maybe Conte? But Conte was very good for like all the match except for those two uh, mistakes, and then it was shocking. Pulisic, yeah, but Pulisic didn't really do anything for for the whole match. I mean, he didn't really do anything. I wish he didn't come on. To be honest, yeah. Yeah, I think the one thing um, I've had a lot, I've had a bit of uh, uh, debates this morning with regards to Kante. I think um, I'm not making an excuse for Kante at all, but we have to remember that currently everyone um, that is part of the Muslim religion is fasting at the moment. Yeah, and yeah. I think that um, everyone. So Rudiger. Yeah, of course. No, no, of course. And this is the point I was just about to say. I think everyone was pointing out to me, okay, well, Benzema's fasting and Rudiger's fasting as well. It's not, it's not one rule for all when people are fasting. I think it can affect people differently in different ways. It can affect your physical fitness. It can affect your ability to concentrate in high pressure environments. Um, And I think it's definitely a contributing factor as to why Kante didn't look quite as energetic. He didn't cover every blade of grass like he usually does. Um, So I'm not making an excuse for Kante because his performance wasn't to the level that we've been so expecting of him because he set the bar so high in the Champions League, especially last season. Um, But I can't personally criticise Kante because of the the contribution he's had to our club. I think one-off game in, what, three, four years? I think it's crazy to the levels that he set. I think 
the one and I don't really want to criticize anyone because I think we performed excellently yesterday I wouldn't do anything differently I trust Thomas Tuchel in all of the decisions that he made but yeah. I do think that Pulisic come on and, and did not have a great impact on the game it looked like he At had all. lead looked like he had lead in his boots he looked like the yeah. most tired <laughs> player on the pitch and he'd only just come on um would have much rather gone with with someone different um but yeah i think if those two chances that pulisic had towards the end of the game fall to Havertz, yeah. fall to oh Werner, i think it's a totally different story um but i'm True. not blaming pulisic he come on and tried and that's all we can ask of him but he did look tired and it didn't look like he was up for the game yeah agreed Man. Once again, Aiden, spot on, honestly. like It's like you're speaking my mind, man. I do agree with everything you said. I, I personally refuse to scapegoat uh, a Chelsea player because that only spreads um, negativity. And also, yeah. this community does not need more toxicity, honestly, in my opinion. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, how, yeah, do you of like course. Us to, how do you like us to move forward and react? I think we just need to put our heads up, obviously focus on the upcoming FA Cup against Crystal Palace, which I do believe we're going to win. Um, there's nothing else we can do because the ifs and if nots can only yeah. make you doubt yourself and you can literally do nothing. You cannot go back in time. Like We, we won, like technically we did win, honestly, 3-2 but we just lost, lost an aggregate. And some people may may argue that, oh, what about Mendy's mistake in the first leg? Yeah. Just, man, it's not it's not easy being a footballer. Like, he, he, could, he couldn't do anything. I'm not going to defend Mendy, but at the same time, I'm not going to scapegoat him because he did prove himself right. He did amazing saves, by the way, yesterday, even in the first half. Uh, remind me, oh. remind me, remind me. In the first half when, um, I think it was Tony Kroos, when he made he, that no, free, no, the free no, no, kick, no. it was no, 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 no. It's nothing for me. I don't. I agree. Yeah, it's not good to spread negativity and scapegoat. You know, but I feel like we need to address this. In my opinion, Mendy didn't redeem himself. Mm. I mean, I, I mean, it's kind of harsh to say, but it's the truth. I feel he didn't redeem himself. Um, he should have made that save on the second goal. Yes, you can say what you like, but I feel it was savable. I don't get why he didn't do that but personally i didn't think he had a good he didn't redeem himself that's all i'm gonna say in my opinion mm. um regards pulisic um it was lukaku i know how i'll be i know how i'll be so angry at lukaku right now if he missed those two chances pulisic should have done better we all everybody agrees on that uh, but mendy for me mendy again i'm not trying to be negative or whatever but i'm just trying to call a spade for a spade mendy's yes. goal killed this tie yes. uh, on goal whatever you want to call it but yeah <laughs> um, David, you're a bit quiet. Let me ask you this. I already asked Ubi the question. How do we move on from this? But how do you see the season ending? And can I just give a shout out to Oli? Oli said we're going to yeah. win one trophy. So unfortunately, you're correct, <laughs> Oli. So yeah. <laughs> but David, yeah, how do you see the season ending? And how do you see the, you know, yeah. moving forward? How do we move forward from this? Um, a little note on Mendy first. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I've been a goalkeeper. Uh, and I've played uh, big games. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, the, the second goal there is really hard for a goalkeeper because the ball comes from the left and into yeah. the center and then goes back to the left. And then you are moving in the opposite direction. And then when you have to switch uh, your energy in your whole body and then jump back 
that's really difficult. And the, and the goal was very, um, it went so fast. So, Spot on, spot on, David. He could have done better, but yeah, but it's really, really hard for a goalkeeper. Um, I was just going to say, Kotoa saves that. I think Kotoa saves that, but Obi Karen. Okay, well, um, so as I said, any goalkeeper cannot be world-class if not thanks to their defense. That's just one point in general. It's, it has nothing to do with the goal. I'm just commenting about being a goalkeeper here. Yeah. Second point is that Mendy, of, of course, the, the header wasn't like really, it didn't have the power behind it. So you, you might argue like it's a, it's a slow-paced header. And I agree, it wasn't like a bullet header, let's say, to top bins or something. But first of all, Mendy probably calculated wrong, let's say, and he, he thought like, okay, Benzema's going to make a header. And, you know, in the first leg, he made two headers and both of them were basically top bins. So he, his body weight was ready to jump to the top corner. Left or right doesn't matter, <laughs> but his positioning indicated that he's going to jump up high. But then what did Benzema do? He made a low driven header, which means it was like really low. Like it, it hit almost the, the, the grass, let's say, and then went in. So then six foot six, his height, Mendy's height, cannot put his body weight downwards within a split second. Like yeah. He cannot adjust the positioning. It's what David said. Like, it's really difficult to just adjust your body weight when you're that big, when you're that tall in split yeah. second. So like Benzema's goal was re really world class. Who's at fault here? It's what I said in the beginning of this episode. It's Rudiger. No, Dante. bro, Rudiger. He did not do anything. He slipped down. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he lost balance. Has, I mean, Mendy, Mendy slipped though. Mendy slipped, didn't he? Mendy, you know, Mendy slipped as well in the first, in the first leg. So, yeah. I mean, if you look at the build-up, yeah. Thing. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. If you look at the build-up, yeah, um, Kante gave the ball away and Reese James was out of position, right? And then Thiago Silva had to cover for with James and Rudiger obviously had to like sort out the Benzema issue. Why didn't Thiago Silva make a tactical foul? He was one on one with Vinicius. Just tackle him. He was outside the box. Give them a free kick. I don't know. Give them yeah. a free kick. Then, then all of our defense would, you know, reposition themselves. If mm. I was Thiago Silva, I would just take him down. Take a yellow card. Doesn't matter. It was the end of the match, anyways. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't know why Aiden. I don't know what you think, but I don't know why he let in that yeah. cross easily. Like the cross, he let in the the cross of Benzema too easy for me. Thiago yeah. Silva. I mean, Rudiger can slip, man. Anyone can slip, you know. But it is what it is. Terry Ooh. slipped when he took that penalty, didn't he? <laughs> so like, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. I, I personally, I blame Kante and Reece James for going out of position. But yeah, but Aiden, yeah, Karen. Yeah, I think a couple of things to unpack from the points you've just made there, guys. I think, um, yeah. you know, just to touch on the if buts, maybe how do we move on from here? How do I think yeah. the season's going to kind of finish for Chelsea? Yeah. I think we're so lucky to have Thomas Tuchel. Yeah. I think we've got yeah, one of the fun. best managers in the world at yeah. managing these Definitely. ups and downs. And yeah. I think the one thing that stuck out to me in recent weeks is after the um, Real Madrid loss at, at Stamford Bridge, um, the the reporter after the game said, um, you know, you're going to start focusing on the next leg at Real Madrid. He said, no, no, no. We focus on Southampton now. If we don't beat mm. Southampton, we're never going to have a chance to beat Real Madrid. So mm -hmm. for me, I think Thomas Tuchel's got them into the dressing room. He's calmed them down. 
and he's reset their focus for the next game against Crystal Palace. I have no doubt that we're going to come out fighting in that game. Um, when we when we have our backs against the wall, we're we're arguably the best team in the world. Against yeah. all odds, we usually deliver. We did yeah. last night. We did deliver. We got a little bit unlucky. One, two percents didn't go our way. And that's yeah. kind of what happened um, in, in regards to, to that. But just to kind of round up that point, I think we've got the best coach in the world at controlling the highs and lows of football, the highs and lows in terms of the emotions that come with football. And I think he's really, really good at kind of managing the players in that way, in that sense. So I think, you know, in terms of how do I think we're going to finish the season, I don't think we have anything to worry about. I think personally we'll get top top four. And I think personally yeah. we'll get into the, the final of the FA Cup. Whether we win it or not is going to come down to those one two percent again, like like yesterday, and we'll see what happens. Um, just a comment on the Mendy conversation as well. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I do have a couple of concerns with Mendy personally. I do think he's a fantastic sure. keeper, first of all, and he was influential last season in us winning the Champions League. Absolutely no doubt. Um, right. My only issues, and again, I've not been a keeper, so I'm not kind of bashing him on these issues. I think yeah. for me. One of the main things was the AFCON come down. I think we need to remember that four years ago, Mendy was playing non-league football. He was claiming benefits. Um, and to have such a rise to, to be the best keeper in the world, some are arguing, yeah. is very hard to kind of manage the, not ego, but that kind of rise, that quick rise, you know, to mm. being in contention, to being one of the best keepers in the world. Um, so I think... Chelsea personally might not have done the best job at managing him off the back of AFCON. Um, maybe, I don't know. That's just a point that I thought I would kind of raise with you guys. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think we also have to remember the three headers that, that we've conceded is against arguably the, the best striker in the world at the moment. He's class. The placement of the headers is very, very smart from Benzema. My one issue with Mendy is sometimes I feel he, he's a little bit flat-footed. He's not on his toes, and I agree yeah. with um, I agree with the point that he's six foot six. It is hard to get down, um, and it yeah. is hard to get down and save these headers. But I think we also have to take our hats off to the class and the placement of Benzema's headers. Um, but yeah, I think um, we just need to manage Mendy now. We need to kind of cool him down a little bit off the back of his success over the recent years, and I think we just need to move forward and, and reset his focus, and we'll be absolutely fine. Yes, once again, spot on. <laughs> <laughs> For me, personally, I think Courtois saves that. Personally, Alison, Alison could get a hand to that. I don't know, Mendy. I agree with what yeah, Aiden maybe. said because, like, <laughs> I agree with what Aiden said because, like, um, when he came back from the crunch games in, in the World Cup qualifiers, I felt like, obviously, in hindsight, again, after the Brentford game, I felt like that match was for Kepa. You know, perhaps mm-hmm. Mendy needed a break before the Champions League. Um, thingy against the what do you call it Madrid the first leg so I agree but yeah it is what it is um, last point from me anyway on Mendy I think when we're comparing Courtois and Mendy we need to remember that Courtois played Champions League for the how don't know how many seasons he's got experience in these big games he's smart his anticipation is better than Mendy's to you know with the Rodrigo goal I was a little bit disappointed that Mendy didn't dive one way you know, if yeah. you dive the wrong way, at least you've dived. Um, and, you know, I think you're right, uh, Temi, with regards to Courtois. He may would have anticipated the Rod- Rodrigo finish to the bottom yeah. corner of the near post a little bit better. Um, but yeah. we need to remember that when we're comparing Mendy, he's only played one season in the Champions League for Chelsea. 
If you go mm. at Courtois, Oblak, Neuer, especially Neuer, he's been at the very, very top level for Bayern Munich in the Champions League for the last decade. Same as Courtois, same yeah. as Oblak. They've been in these big moments. They've got that experience. They've got that nous. I think Mendy just lacks that little bit of Champions League big game experience. That's the only thing I think, but that will come with time. Fair point. Fair point. I mean, I'm going to cut him some slack for the first goal, but fair point. It's interesting you said. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah it's point, a good point. point. I actually noted uh, that uh, yesterday to my friend, I actually said to my friend that yeah. Mendy, he looks like a really talented goalkeeper and he's, he's 30 years mm-hmm. old. So he should be mm-hmm. better, but he looks mm-hmm. like a really talented goalkeeper, like a young, talented goalkeeper. I think we have to remember mm. as well, we got him from Wren, who, no disrespect to Wren, they're not playing at the highest level. They're not playing in these crunch matches like the Champions League quarterfinals. They're playing big matches mm-hmm. in the league domestically, but they're not at this level in terms of the pressure. Again, you guys have been keepers. I've played at a good level of football. There comes pressure when yeah. there's cup finals. There comes pressure and you do make little mistakes that cost teams. And with Benzema, Modric, Kroos, Vinicius Jr., all they need is... 0.1% of a mistake and they're going to make it pay and they did last night true there, true there. Just, just on the level point I was going to say do you guys think the the previous Chelsea guard are like a different class obviously obviously they're a different class to this present team because I mean the the of, the previous team you don't see Czech making such a mistake for, for example Mendy made or you see them taking their chances per se it's just you know it's just there's a bit of a tiny gap between both former Chelsea because obviously Chelsea like if you think about Chelsea Chelsea that played Man City that won the league for example we beat mm. Man City at the Etihad 1-0 the Mourinho season I don't know if you guys remember when Mourinho came yeah. back for the second time we crushed yeah. Man City in their own home 1-0 so Chelsea are known for this think of the Conte Chelsea that beat Man City at the Etihad Chelsea that beat Liverpool at Anfield you get me we don't make such mistakes like capitulate towards the end of the game but yeah um, let's talk about Alonso I mean I'm a big Alonso fan. Just to touch on your point there. Just to touch on your point there, Tommy. I think the difference between the old guard of Chelsea and the new guard of Chelsea is the spine of the team. I think Czech, Mm. Terry, Lampard, Drogba, compared to the spine of the team now, which is still in process, is still a work in process. Rudiger, Mendy, Kovacic, Kante. We don't... Mount. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Yeah, Mount. Mount. We don't have that. We don't have that um, reliable spine of the team like we did in 2012, I don't think, mm. at the moment. We'll get there. Certainly, we'll get there under Tuchel. But right now, True the that. spine of the team is just not the same as it was in 2012. And yeah. that spine of the team in 2012 probably don't make the same mistakes as we did in two legs at, at Real Madrid. That's all I'll say on that. True that, true that. Um, yeah, Alonso. I'm a big Alonso fan. So <laughs> if I'm going to talk about Alonso, you're going to get tired. <laughs> Um, I think he's got a brilliant goal. You know, just I think the rule was really strict. Yes, the handball. It's not really handball in my opinion, but it oh. is what it is. It's a really strict rule in my opinion. I don't. The thing is, I hold UEFA when it comes to like um, officiates in games. I hold them in high regard. So it's kind. It's quite unfortunate for this to happen to Chelsea. It's really strict. I don't know if you guys have another example in the season of Champions League where it got taken off because of a handball, quote unquote, but. Yeah, I mean, Alonso played really good. I'm glad he started. But I mean, um, I wish Chelsea used the same approach he used for this game, for the first leg. I feel this would be a different story. But yeah, you guys could talk about Alonso. It's okay. Yeah. He was actually the one player that ran the most yesterday. He was the one covered the most ground. 
I didn't know that. Yeah, he yeah. covered 15 and a half kilometers yesterday. Well, yeah, I didn't know that. Massive. That was, that's that's, that's uh, 0.5 of a kilometer more than Kai Havertz, who covered um, second. <laughs> and then it was Valverde, Modric, and I believe Casemiro that then covered the, uh, the, the third, fourth, and fifth most but yeah um, yeah i think i think we need i think as much as maybe certain parts of the fan base criticize alonso i think when he plays as well as he did yesterday we have to give him credit we can't Mm -hmm. criticize him for um you know the the some of the performances he's put in in the premier league and not um applaud his performance yesterday i think think it was fantastic i think a natural left footer on that left side is exactly what we needed and it kept i don't know about you guys but it kept valverde way more honest valverde was not getting as forward as much this is what i was asking for in the first leg as well you know everybody was like you know aspie i'm coming to ubi now actually but everybody was like you know start aspie a left wing back he gives more assurance because see how awkward aspie was when he took his first touch and whatever so having Alonso back was so refreshing. Um, Ubi, yeah. I saw your tweet about like you felt like Alonso made a oh, what you, you said um, he made a defensive error. Do you mind expanding, expantiating some more on that? It it wasn't uh, like a one error or something or like a specific one. I was not really convinced defensively, only defensively with Alonso. Other than mm. winning headers, which okay, it's a good, but. I'm talking about running behind, covering your, covering the lane, uh, protecting the the goalkeeper. Let's say I was not really impressed, but I think that's because he had a license to go forward more than you know stay back while attacking. Let's say this is why I, I really appreciate the defensive-minded fullbacks. Let's say I mean this is on me. It doesn't mean that Alonso made a mistake or he was awful. On the contrary, I liked his contribution, his goal, which, as I said in the beginning, was legitimate in my mind at least, was a fantastic. His, uh, as you guys said, he he covered the ground really well. Um, he was good, but defensively, I was not very much impressed. Other than winning headers, and that's thanks to his height, not not much more. Like it's just natural. It doesn't mean he's gifted or something. It's he's winning headers. It's not <laughs> impressive. I'm trying not to be negative because I'm not a negative person, if you guys can tell. <laughs> but still, that's I, I just don't see why the Chelsea fan base is praising him like crazy for like one good game and then no. slaughtering someone like Kante, who's been consistent for the last you know years with Chelsea. Mm. I just cannot understand the balance. How come? To meet in order for me to criticize or credit a certain player, this certain player has to play well or bad for like at least four consecutive games. Why? For sake of consistency. <laughs> so, for example, another example very quickly here, Timo Werner. He's been fantastic with Southampton and even Madrid, actually. I was really gutted when he was taken off yesterday, just, just saying here. But again, yeah. to me, it's not enough to uh, for me to say, okay, RB Leipzig um, prime Timo Werner is back. He's not. He just had two good games. If he has this display again for like two or maybe three more games, then I would say, okay, that's it. I want him to stay forever. <laughs> but it's not <laughs> enough for me to give him credit. Same goes for like Mendy, uh, Kante, and the others who m- some might, may argue they're at fault at the you know for the Madrid goals. To me, it's not enough. They are two not very good games. All right. That's still not enough to discredit them, at least in my mind. I'm not saying you guys should join me. I'm only just explaining how my mentality works. Mm. So, yeah. 
Well, I agree. David, I agree. Yeah. I agree to the sentiment. David, what do you have to say? Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's. Uh, I think it's. You have to judge a player by the system they play in, not uh, a preferred uh, system, because uh, Alonso is a is a wing back. He's not that great at defending. Uh, Chilwell is a lot. So he's a great defender, uh, a better defender than Alonso, and um, mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, Alonso should be judged on what he is doing uh, in his role in this team. And yesterday he was amazing. He had some defensive issues that he uh, he is really weak at, and Tuchel knows that. So mm-hmm. he tries to put. Um, uh, Rudiger behind him so he can cover uh, whenever he lo- loses the ball and so on. Yeah. Um, Aiden, what do you have to say about people who said Alonso is at fault for the first goal? What was your opinion on that? I, I can't put anyone at fault when Modric <laughs> plucks a ball out of the sky like that. I think <laughs> I was talking to my friend who I watched the game with and we said, yeah. if we're going to go out to a wonder goal, We've got to hold our hands up and say, you know what, fair yeah, play. Yeah. I've got fantastic yeah. players and they can do that. And I think Modric's ball with the outside of his foot has to be perfect. It can't <laughs> be 98, 99% perfect. It has to be 100% perfect. You could maybe say Alonso allowed Rodrigo to get goal, uh, goal side of him. But yeah. ultimately, we can't. I can't put Alonso at fault for that goal when Modric yeah. plays a ball like that. I just can't. Um, I think the reason Alonso played is Tuchel probably anticipated we were going to have a lot of the ball. And I think mm-hmm. Alonso's fantastic when we have the ball. When we yeah. don't have the ball, that's when I worry about his defensive uh, deficiencies. When we've got yeah. the ball, he stretches the play wide. He keeps possession well. He's got a natural left foot so he can whip balls mm-hmm. into the box, which I don't think we've done enough of. I think when Nacho went off and Danny Carvajal sat back into centre-back, Alaba and centre Alaba and Carvajal are not two tall centre uh, centre backs. They're not. Yeah. We should. I think the one thing I was a little bit disappointed was our set pieces, our crosses yeah. into the box. We should mm-hmm. have done more, in my opinion, because um, the commentators made a comment, mm-hmm. and they said, "Look, <laughs> we, yeah, uh, I think even I think you guys probably saw it as well when the camera pans yeah. to the box." when there's a corner or a set piece, we're towering mm. over these players. We're towering over right. Modric. We're towering over um, Casemiro. We're towering over yeah. the players. Exactly. Yeah. They're not good in the air. I think, obviously, Rudiger scored the goal from the corner, but I think our delivery into the box wasn't great from set pieces. Um, but I think we maybe could have got the ball into the box a little bit better. But for me, um, I can't, I can't blame Alonso for the first goal. I just have to applaud Modric because he's a fantastic player. And in my opinion, he's going to go down. He's going to be uh, at the same table as uh, Xavi Iniesta, Xavi Alonso, players like this. He's that good, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I, hear you. Um, I just want to say, I feel like, just a, just a last of stuff on Alonso. I'm just going to say, I feel like Alonso has a good chemistry with Werner and Havertz on that side. Because they've scored a few goals together. And boy, when you have Odoi and Alonso, it doesn't really work out. But once you have Havertz, Werner and Alonso, there, there seems to be a chemistry mount as well. Um, I agree, we should have used the set piece much better. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, Ubi. <laughs> what do yeah, you have we've, we've touched on it a bit. Oh yeah, I was going to tell you, Ubi, yeah, you mentioned something about Kante. You said, you know, 
Um, you feel you shouldn't criticize a player unless they're like inconsistent for a long period of time. But people have been saying Kante has been on the decline from the Brentford game till now. So what do you have to say about that? I don't know what people see, honestly. Like, by the way, yesterday, he, okay, he wasn't at fault for the goals. Like, I don't want to sound like uh, a broken record and repeat myself, yeah. but l- let me tell you why. He lost the ball mm-hmm. in the middle of the park. He didn't lose it getting out of the box, let's say. This is why I'm saying indirect. Like, what do I mean by indirect? It's that. Like, because how do you know? Like, when Kamavinga, I think I'm talking about this, the second goal of Madrid, mm-hmm. when Kamavinga took the ball or mm-hmm. whatever from Kante, he was in the middle of the park. You don't know what Kamavinga might do. He might uh, try to make a long uh, long shot. He might just lay off to Benzema because he was in the middle. He might pass it to Vinicius, which which is what he did. He had several yeah. options. So that's why you can't say, oh, it's Kante's fault. If that's the logic, then maybe it is Kai Havertz's fault because before that he lost uh, possession in the front, in, in Madrid's opposition. And because of that ball, it got uh, driven forward to... To the to Benzema, which then lost possession, whatever. You see, I sound like inconsistent. Yeah, this is why. Yeah. This is why. This makes no sense. Like you can't say because, like, a few minutes ago, this guy lost possession. Thus, it's his fault. Like this makes no sense to me. You yeah. need to talk to Rudiger, as I said, to Thiago Silva, maybe Mendy, but not Kante. At least about the second goal. So yeah. Can I say this? Yeah. Um... Can I say this? I disagree because, um, cover, cover. Oh God, I can't pronounce the name. Cover, yeah, he can't. He, um, he um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, he, um, his job is to destroy attack and give it to the best. Like you know how Matic and Kante used to do destroy and give it to Fabregas. Fabregas will do the best, do the rest of the work. Technically, destroy the destroy Chelsea's attack and give it to the creative player. Simple as that. I mean. Kante lost the ball in the middle of the park, so it was a turnover. Even Tukul admitted it that you know we 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 consider goal through whatever. I don't know what word he used. I think he's a turnover or something. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like you, like you said, I mean, Kante. I love Kante. Don't get me wrong. Like obviously he's a legend at the club and stuff. But like I said, same way I love Mendy. But like I said, this tie was down to Mendy, down to Mendy, down to Kante, but mainly down to Mendy. Yesterday was down mm. to Kante, but yeah. I don't want to keep blaming this guy, so I don't want to bore you guys with how much we're blaming them. But let's talk about Palace. I mean, let's ask Ubi's question. Um, David, what do you think? Um, Gallagher wasn't allowed, isn't allowed to play against Chelsea. What do you think about the decision? Yeah, I think that's the rules in the been for a long time. I mean, they've been around. You yeah. say that, but um, Courtois was allowed to play against Chelsea when he was alone at Atletico Madrid. Uh, yeah, but that was a two-year loan, and it was in Champions League, and that was a mm-hmm. totally different situation, I think. Um, um how about we have Aiden's um opinion, mm. guys? Could I just make one last point on the the Champions League game about about sure, Kante, sure. and then it will be my last point, I promise. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Timmy, you made a great point there. What Tuchel said in his post-match press conference with the transitions. Um, yeah. He said that Real Madrid are most dangerous when the ball's recovered and we're mm-hmm. kind of on the back foot. And I think Camavinga done a great job of that. He's going to be an incredible uh, midfielder for Real Madrid in the long term. Yep. Um, yep. For me, I think Kante was trying to be a little bit too cute. 
And I yeah. think that Tuchel probably, it was probably under Tuchel's instruction because he was aware that if the balls turn over in the midfield, Real Madrid are very, very dangerous with Vinicius Jr. and uh, Valverde making those runs wide. Um, so I think Kante was probably only doing what Tuchel told him to do. Keep the ball mm. as much as possible. Don't hoof it up the pitch and allow them to get the ball and counter-attack. So I think maybe a little bit of communication was lacked in the midfield yesterday. Um, especially for the second goal between Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Kante. And I think, yeah. ultimately, I'm not blaming anyone, but I think Kante was probably only following what Tuchel asked him to do. Um, can, I say this before you, can I say this before you move into the next one? I just want to mm, say, this is my point. I feel Kante was hungry. He, was, he, didn't, he didn't have enough energy in his body. He was um, de- um, de- dehydrated. He was hungry, he was dehydrated, he lacked a bit of fuel in his body. That's just my own opinion. Because I feel Jorginho would have completed, completed that pass to... What's his name now? Jorginho would have completed that pass to Ruben. Mm. But yeah, yeah. But you can talk about Gallagher, it's okay. I just want to say that. Oh, oh finally, finally, finally. Um, about Kante again. Um, who guys, do you guys remember when Kante had the ball and he wanted to drive forward and then he left the ball backwards? It goes back to what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Kante was hungry. He was tired. Mm. Mentally, was that when, was that when well. Rudiger was shouting at him after when he lost the ball? I think uh, so. I he, think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you're I right. think Kroos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 I think Kroos yeah. dispossessed him, and uh, they yeah. almost they almost made a, a, a clear cut chance. Yeah, like, I agree. Kante had the ball and he was trying to drive forward, but then for some reason he left the ball behind. And then mm. you're right, Rudiger was screaming at him afterwards. But yeah, um, Aiden, you could talk about Gallagher. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just want to get no, out my okay. points. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, I think we could all sit here and talk about Gallagher for a very long time. I think he's a fantastic <laughs> player and I think he mm-hmm. is going to be a really, really good player for us next year. Um, I think it's obvious, right? I think it's obvious he's a fantastic yeah, midfielder. Um, and I think we want to win a trophy, right? So why would we let yeah. Palace play him? Um, he's yes. probably been Palace's best player. He's the engine in the midfield. Um, why would we want to play him? I, I don't think that's... Mm. Uh, I don't think it's really. Uh, I don't think there's anything to really unpack about that. I think we made the yeah. right decision, and I think if you don't ask, you don't get. So Palace are always going <laughs> to ask, but I think they yeah. always thought the answer is going to be a resounding absolutely not. Um, yeah. yeah, I think um, there's no yeah. way he was ever going to play against Chelsea, but I think he's a fantastic player, and I'm glad he's going to be on the bench. In fact, no, I'm glad he's going to be sat <laughs> in the stands because I don't yeah. want him to play for Palace <laughs> against us. Yeah, true, that, true. That. Um, Ubi, what, what, how do you see the FA Cup game going? Do you think, do you think this trophy can save our season? Because I feel like if we don't win this trophy, again, even if we win it, I don't feel like, I don't feel complete. This is how I feel, you know. But do you think mm. the FA Cup, how do, you, how do you see the FA Cup going? Or whatever? Do you think it's enough to save our season? I think so. I have belief <laughs> that we're going to win the FA Cup because not only I'm an optimist, but I do believe in Chelsea. I mean, if we could put that masterclass against Real Madrid, who else is left in the... You're talking World. about Crystal <laughs> Palace or City or Liverpool, whoever might be in the yeah. final. They're, yeah. not, they're not like Real Madrid. I think, in my opinion, Real Madrid, it's what I said before. If Real Madrid could beat us in the UCL, they're going to mm. go and win the Champions League. I think there's gonna, they will be the champions. They can beat City and they will beat Liverpool or... Villarreal, whoever is going to be in the final of the UCL. But back to my point, we're going to win the FA Cup, man. I, I, I do believe in us. Because if we play with the same intensity against even Man City in the FA Cup final, assuming they will qualify anyways, 
then we can beat them. We do. We can. Yeah. Like, it's not difficult to beat Man City, but I think what what makes them tough to break is their record more than how they play during the match. Like, probably most teams approach them with fear, saying, oh, Pep Guardiola is a world-class manager. And he is. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to discredit him, and I'm not even Mm -hmm. trying to discredit their team. But don't forget, Man City do not have a clear number nine. Gabriel Jesus is not a number nine. He's more of a winger rather than a number nine. Uh, Sometimes De Bruyne is the number nine, but he's also not. You know, yeah. he's, he's a midfielder. He's a number eight, if anything, or maybe 10 sometimes. But yeah, I, I see us uh, winning the FA Cup if we had the same spirit, uh, the one we had yesterday. Yeah, yeah. All right, um, I was just going to say, when you're talking about Man City, I already had dreams of playing Man City when we're three goals up. I was like, wow, we're going to use this energy and this confidence and energy to go face Man City after we've lost to Man City twice this season. Like, you know, when we're three goals up, that's the mindset that was in my head. And all of a sudden, um, Modric does what he does and Rodrigo finishes up. So, yeah. Uh, such is life. We Not much we could do, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> no. Yeah, I was looking forward to play, to facing Man City, though, or Atletico, but mainly Man City. We all know Man City are going to win tonight, so, you know. Yeah, it's all right. Um, oh, yeah. Um. What is your opinion on the Liverpool Man City rivalry, like the love affair? It makes me sick. I don't know. What do you yeah, guys think? Yeah, it's it's not shit. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Aiden, what do you think? Um, I think it's yeah. I mean, it's it is what it is. Ultimately, I think that um that era of the game is over now. Um, mm. and I think that. Just to raise uh, a point, I think, I can't remember who it was, but I think Rafa Benitez said that, you know, that rivalry in football is kind of dead now a little bit. I think, um, you know, people aren't really as bitter rivals within the game anymore. You know, when we Uh. used to see the likes of Patrick Vieira and Roy Keane, that's not there anymore. They're all friends, they're they're all friends on social media. They all like each other's (laughs) posts on social media. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. But I was just going to say, I think the Liverpool, I think the Liverpool-Chelsea rivalry will never die. But yeah, carry on. Yeah, Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. I think those um, long-standing rivalries between Manchester United and Liverpool, Arsenal and Chelsea, etc, etc. I think they'll never die between the fan bases. But I think between the players on the pitch, Uh it's totally different. And also, a little bit of an example is, I remember Gary Neville was speaking about when he was in the England camp. And there would Mm -hmm. be tension and there would be rivalries within the England camp between the players playing for Mm -hmm. the rival clubs. Nowadays, they're all best friends. Mm -hmm. Literally, they're all best friends. (laughs) They all speak to each other on a daily basis. You even saw um, on Rhys James's post this morning, Vinicius Jr. say, good game, bro. Good luck in the future. Back 20 years ago, <laughs> no, no one's doing that, right? No one's, no one's wishing them good luck in the next round. Um, so yeah, I think the players are a lot more friendly with each other. And I think that has come through the, um, the ethical changes within football, uh, the more mm. diversity in football. And I think mm-hmm. uh, we're all trying to make a better game and we're all trying to kick out any kind of discrimination, any kind of um, anim- anim- animosity between yeah, the animosity, players. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I think they're I think they're encouraged by the teams and the staff at the clubs to be a lot more friendly. Um, I think that's why the rivalries aren't as intense anymore. I mean, yeah, I don't know, David Ubi. I don't know if you want to say something, but before you do, sorry, I just want to say 
I feel like you you could be friends and you could be friends outside the pitch. But once you, I notice when the, once they come onto the pitch, they 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 go mad like Rudiger. They, totally they're just agree. Crazy, yeah. you know. Like I mean, look at Benzema. He he went to go. I heard he went to go look for Rhys James, and he gave him his shirt. Like there's yeah. amount of respect to that. So you know, mm. I I can agree. Yeah, they could be all friends outside the pitch and all that. I mean, but. When they go on the pitch, like look at Declan Rice and Mason Mount, for example. When they go on the pitch, you see how crazy <laughs> they are. So, I mean, I, f- I feel like the Liverpool Chelsea because you could take you could cast him on back to the Carabao Cup final. You see how crazy it was, you know. Mm. But yeah, you you do make a fair point. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, I mean, I, again, a perfect example is the Maguire situation. Every the you have Spurs tweeting saying, "Oh yeah, don't don't boo Maguire." You know, exactly. I'm not a fan of Maguire, so uh, you do make a f- fair point actually. But yeah, Ubi, David, what do you guys have to say? Well, for me, just two points here. Uh, first of yeah. all, about the rivalry. It's good that yeah. they can separate their emotions on and off the pitch. Like, don't get me wrong, I love the classic rivalry in Chelsea, uh, all players like Lampard, Terry, etc. But like at the same time, it's not a bad thing to separate friendship from the games. Because this means they will approach the game as... A game to win, not the goal is not to hurt the opposition, tackle them, injure them. I'm a big fan of uh, fair play, clean play, and everything. I'm not a big fan of aggression on the pitch. Although when there is a mistake, it should be corrected, yes. But at the same time, it's better for the players to focus on their technical abilities rather than their aggression. That's mm. just my point, and it was my opinion here. And a second point about what you said, the question about Liverpool and Man City. Yeah. I think it's there's an expression in French that says nouveau riche, which means newly rich. Because mm. these two were not rivals. I'm talking decades ago. I'm not talking a few years yeah. ago, but I'm talking decades yeah. ago. In comparison <laughs> to, for example, Chelsea and Manchester United, where, you know, I'm talking about Sir Alec Ferguson times there, you know. Like yeah. we have bigger rivalry rivalries, even with Arsenal yeah. when they had uh, what was his name um, Thierry Henry and and Vieira and and uh, Pires and etc. Yeah, like that yeah. was that's the true rivalry, not what City and um, Liverpool, Liverpool have nowadays. You know, but yeah, that's my take on this. I totally agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the thing is that if we have a. Uh, like you said, it's it's a new rivalry. It's it's not like uh, Chelsea and Tottenham. Uh, yeah. It's it's more like <laughs> they are fighting for the title, and that's their mm. only rivalry. Um, mm. But I think that a little bit of aggression in the game is just healthy. I really miss yeah. a player like um, like Diego Romero. Costa. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Costa. Yeah, yeah. You know, Rudiger has aggression. Romero, Romero at Spurs as well. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys could think of other players, but yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of aggression is very good in this game. I think. I think it's if everyone is gonna um, be <laughs> friends and be happy all the time, it's gonna be a boring, boring sport. Yeah. In the end. Mm. But that's just my. Rudiger is incredible. Like the amount of emotion he showed yesterday after the final whistle, and he was. Livid, he yeah. was screaming at himself. It's just incredible the amount of like the intensity he plays with. He's just a role model, in my opinion. Like Ronaldo, yeah. love people like that. Manu, right now. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. But just <laughs> round up, guys. I don't know if you have anything to say, but just round up. If I don't know, do you guys have anything to say? I want to round up. 
Mm. I would, uh, I'd love to know, I know there's a lot of conversation around um, potentially who are we going to get to replace uh, the midfield that are maybe lacking some legs in Jorginho, uh, yeah. Kante. I'm not saying Kante does, by the way, but I'm just saying a lot of yeah. the fan base is saying, yeah. you know, we need to get in a centre midfielder. I'd love to hear mm-hmm. your guys, you know, one person you'd like to see signed by Chelsea in the summer that would make a difference to the midfield or, or any position in that sense. Um, I'd love to hear your guys' views on that because there's a lot of contrasting opinions. People want Rice, people want this person, people want that person. Yeah, I'd love yeah. to know, you know, who your number one target for the summer would be and why. Ruben Nevers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but guys, yeah, David, Ubi, I just wanted to say that quickly, but yeah, you guys can carry on. Okay, um, mine would be Chao Many. Uh, if I'm mm. not um, butchering his name, I mean, <laughs> it's because uh, he's a DM, first of all, defensive midfielder, but at the same time, his uh, defensive and even attacking work rate is good. He sometimes scores uh, goals and provides assists, which is what we need, because I appreciate versatile midfielders. Of course, it's a long shot to say that, but again, um, someone like Ruth Hullet, who redefined the midfield, who, who was a fantastic attacker, but also a decent uh, defender in the midfield. Someone like Ruth Hullet, who's got the Hullet gang, as they say, right? Like, who can defend, attack, pass the ball, dribble, etc. And who's got the physicality to, you know, stand up to big attackers like Benzema and whatnot. I, I think we need many. He's still young, of course. He's, uh, he's the future uh, for France. I think he plays for France, as well as Monaco, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, someone like him could solve our uh, issues and who could be a direct replacement for Kante and even Jorginho. He's got uh, their characteristics, but better, you know, improved, let's say. Does he remind you, Charmeni reminds me a little bit of Michael Essien without the the long-range shooting. Yeah. I think Mm. uh, he does give me Michael Essien vibes and um, I have to (laughs) say Michael Essien is my favourite ever Chelsea player. My, I have a very mm. big soft spot for Michael Essien. And yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I absolutely love the idea of bringing Charmeni into to Chelsea. I think he'd be a great player. David, how about you? What did, what's your answer to Aiden's question? Yeah, I think uh, Charmeni would be a great uh, addition to our squad. But I think that if we're going to see a player coming into the team and make a real big difference, it's Gallagher. We <laughs> need him back. Yeah, yeah, he's going to come. He's gonna come. Yeah, um, he's he's our player. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. But uh, he's gonna come in, and he's gonna be the next thing for us. I don't think we really need to dig deep in the. <laughs> I don't think we have to be splashing the cash for Declan Rice. He's gonna be overly expensive. I think Chouamani yeah. is gonna be expensive, and he's only what nineteen, twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and Gallagher is twenty-two. And in Chelsea, yeah. we have this hierarchy. We don't play that young players if they're not good enough like mm-hmm. Zuma he, he got a chance uh, and then he was injured and then he got loaned out and he came back a little older and then he got the chance mm-hmm. uh, I don't think Chelsea will buy a 20 year old to really um, unless yeah. they're like Kai Havertz yeah, that's a good point yeah. I, never, I never thought of that I say Ruben Nevers are Wolves. Ruben Nevers are Wolves is incredible. Like, you just need to watch him and see how incredible. And he'll play good alongside, um, what's his name? Um, Gallagher. He's an mm-hmm. upgrade on Jorginho. He's just going to be yeah, a bit expensive. Maybe. I have 75 million, 50 million. But he is the real deal. He's only 25. He's the real deal. Yeah. And he's really mature. His game is really mature. 
Honestly, but I really like Jorginho. I don't think we really need to uh, let Jorginho yeah, but he, go. Yeah, but he's an upgrade. He's an upgrade on Jorginho because I mean, if you think about Jorginho, I love Jorginho as well. Oh. I wanted him to come from Napoli, you know. But if you think about Jorginho, when he does his work, yeah, he can't track back. I'm sure he can think about. He can't finish. Look at yesterday. He can't finish. You mean no, he, that's he, not he his job defic- either? You know. <laughs> true, true, true. I'm just saying he has deficiencies, but Ruben yeah. Neves is an upgrade on Jorginho. You know, but. Yeah, I, it really is like, I really like Ruben Neves as well. I think he gives that metronome effect like Jorginho as well, but he can shoot as mm-hmm. well, which is great. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that Chelsea lack in the midfield is that person on the edge of the box that can just ping a ball yeah. into the, it, a it, on target, you know? Yeah. But that's um, going to be Gallagher. No, yeah, I, and I both totally of them agree. Actually, both of yeah, them, they totally both have long hair. Why not? So. <laughs> <laughs> I think the problem with, I think the problem that Gallagher brings is... Yeah. We may have to change to a four-three-three to accommodate and play Gallagher, um, and I don't know whether Tuchel is willing to do that at the moment with the the squads with the squad that he's got. Um, but that's Trust another me. that's another conversation for another podcast. I think yeah. we could uh, maybe yeah, yeah. we could maybe Trust talk me. for another hour <laughs> about the formation. And stuff. But <laughs> yeah, I think to answer yeah. I think to answer my own question, I'd actually really yeah. like to see. Uh, He's not necessarily an out-and-out centre midfielder. He can play across the, the. He can play cam, right attacking midfielder and left attacking midfielder. I am massive on Christopher and Cuckoo. Um, I think he is oh, a fantastic a player. Uh, I think he is. If if we don't get him and another Premier League team mm-hmm. does, we're in big trouble because he is a fantastic player. <laughs> I've gone out of my way to record Leipzig games, watch him back. He is. Mm. He is a superstar. He's an absolute superstar. He's diverse. He's direct. He's creative. He can score goals. He pops up in positions you wouldn't expect him to pop up in. And I think we yeah. really struggle in those wide areas to have uh, like Pulisic or, you know, Ziek. I like them. I think they're good players, but I just don't think they're consistent enough. And Cuckoo brings that. Uh, he brings that consistency across the front three behind the striker. And uh, he's special. He's a special, special player. He's on fire with Leipzig. I'm just reluctant to trust Leipzig player after word. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people. A lot of people have said that to me, but I think we can't tarnish every player with the Werner brush. We can't True. paint mm. the same. Um, mm. And you know, in that respect, everyone's like, everyone said to me. I'm, I tweet all the time about Christopher and Kunku. But yeah. I think what? So are we meant to go into Europe and sign an unknown player that doesn't score goals and create goals? Are we? Is that what we're meant to do? Are we meant to just ignore the best players and the best talent in Europe and just go for the uh, the the choice that well, no one's no. looking at? You know, yeah, yeah the I mean, unknown choice. Why? Why would we do that? I think I don't mind. I mean, I'm sure we've we've had that technique for a while at Chelsea. Actually, I can't really give examples, but there was a period where we did that. You know, but yeah, I think. I, I mean, think we should Liverpool, just sign the player yeah, that yeah. that is going to... And I think Liverpool are interested in Nkunku. I think PSG are interested in potentially bringing him back if Mbappe leaves. I yeah. think whoever gets him, he's going to be a superstar, in my opinion. Yeah, true that, true that. I mean, yeah, it goes back to it goes back to a scouting network and uh, new owners. But yeah, we'll talk about that in, in another episode. So yeah, don't worry. <laughs> uh, once we come up with that, I'll remember you guys. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's get Aiden and David on to talk about the... <laughs> The new owners and scouting and the formation change and all that. But yeah, I trust Tuchel to handle the Gallagher conundrum in that formation, whatever. But yeah, um, just a roundup. Ubi, should I ask them that annoying question? 
<laughs> oh yeah yeah sure man go ahead all right all right cool all right so david and david and um aiden since this is your first time on the podcast it's just a question i ask anybody who comes for the first time ubi has also yeah. answered the question so yeah um and so obviously you guys know it's the roman era the roman era is coming to an end technically it's not over yet but you know hopefully something happens and roman comes back to be the chelsea owner but kind of slim but yeah mm-hmm. it's a roman era and it's coming to an end um, in your own opinion, who is the best and worst player in the Roman era for you? I've already mentioned his name, Michael Essien. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. You alluded to that already, yeah. So, yeah. I think that's my personal favourite player. That's just yeah. uh, personal preference. Mm-hmm. I've got a real mm-hmm. soft spot for Michael Essien. I yeah. love the centre defensive midfield position, and I think he epitomised that position perfectly um, my worst player God um, could I say <laughs> Timothy Bakayoko yeah yeah he's in the lead don't worry he's in the lead he's in the lead we've, we've, asked, we've, we've asked like we've asked a few people that question Bakayoko is in the lead don't worry <laughs> it has to be back or Danny Drinkwater one of them two uh, yeah yeah no, I mean Drinkwater wasn't that bad I mean I think Bakley was yeah. worse but yeah it is what it is I think Bakley was worse yeah, but Drinkwater never played, though. No, yeah, he did. That first season, he did. In the, I think two seasons. And he scored that wonder goal against Stoke, remember? <laughs> yeah, that, that was a great goal. goal. Yeah. yeah, he yeah. played, uh, I mean, he played uh, for a season in the Sarri era, didn't he? I think. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I, I know yeah, it was I think so. Well. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I mean, and he had, a, he had a decent pre-season. I don't know if you guys watched this pre-season that just finished. He, had, he actually had a decent pre-season. But again... He did. When I when I said that people were like oh Barkley has a good preseason preseason all the time so you know <laughs> it doesn't count but yeah <laughs> I don't think I don't think yeah I don't think Drinkwater was that bad but it is it's your opinion so it's okay but yeah we're gonna go drink we're gonna go Bakayoko Bakayoko's in the lead so yeah <laughs> that David how about you I would say uh, I have to say Frank Lampard mm. you can't <laughs> beat him he's our top scorer so yeah. And the worst yeah. has have to be uh, Khalid Boularus. <laughs> who, who is that? Who is, oh, yeah. The number nine. The fake number oh. nine. Oh, my God. Yeah. He played 13 matches wow. and two red cards or something. <laughs> oh, my God. That is a, that is a great shout. That yeah, is a great yeah, shout. True, actually, yeah, true. Good one, true. <laughs> Bakioko has his money being around for him. That's incredible, though. Yeah. Boularus. Yeah. Wow. On that note, I don't know if you guys have anything. Ubi, do you have anything else to say to add? Uh, not really, not really. Just want to say thanks again for having me as a consistent guest. And I'm glad that we could have a healthy conversation with David and um, Aiden. It was really fun. And I'm just looking forward for the next one. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been brilliant. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, but on that note, cheers, guys. Thanks for coming. We hope to have you guys again soon. My pleasure. Thank you very much, guys. Hey, cheers. Peace out.